Warm welcome. Good morning, all. Merry Christmas to you. Uh, for those of you who don't know me, I'm my name's Andrew, brother of physical brother of Nick. It's good to meet you all. Um, I'd love to meet you after the service if you're around. Um, it's a real privilege to be here sharing on, on Christmas Day. And I wanted to start today with, with a, a question, um, or, or a thought more so. And that, and that thought is, you know, often in our, in our culture these days, we, we, we ask each other, you know, how are you, how you doing? How are you? And I was reflecting on sort of what the most common response is to a question like, yeah, how how are you? How's how's it going? And, and and as I thought about it, what what struck me is that often we respond by saying, uh, "We're busy. We've got oh, I've got so much going on right now." Um, and so we don't respond by talking about how we're going emotionally. We don't necessarily talk about how we're doing physically or or spiritually. We talk about our state of being in in terms of. Our, our freeness, our, our time. And so this, this Christmas and leading up to this message, I, w- I wanted us to consider um, how we spend our time, how, how we commit our priorities. Um, and, and what better way to do that than during Christmas where it's, it's really busy. Uh, actually, I think probably a lot of you right now are thinking, when is this service going to end? Because I've got a million other things to do. Um, but I would encourage you this morning to uh, take a moment to to use this moment, this morning, as a way we can stop, reflect, and, and really use this time meaningfully um, for, for God's purpose. I, I'm glad you're here today because you've 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 chosen uh, to commit a, a morning that you could well have been sleeping in or um, doing other things, buying presents. Uh, for your nieces, uh, if you haven't done that yet, um, which is what I, I haven't done yet. Um, but I, I'm thankful you're here. I, I can't guarantee you a short sermon. I cannot guarantee you a gentle sermon. Nick asked me yesterday, uh, are you going to be wrapping up around 11.40, 11.45? I said, no, I can't guarantee that. Um, but what what I can guarantee you is is we will open up God's Word. And when we do that, uh, I think... There's power for change. There's power for encu- encouragement. There's power for us to be challenged. And so the title of my message today is is God's Christmas Commitment. We're going to be talking about commitment quite a lot this morning. We're going to be in Luke 1, and we're going to be recounting a story of when uh, the angel Gabriel uh, announces to Mary uh, that she's going to give birth to Jesus, uh, the son of God, I love this story. Uh, I spent a while uh, looking for the right passage for this morning. Joe just said, look, just choose whatever you want, uh, which was a a pretty broad scope. And this is the verse that stuck out to me. Uh, It's really relatable as well because we can kind of put ourselves in the shoes of of Mary. Um, And I've got to be honest, in in preparing for this message, uh, I've been very convicted uh, because it's made me think about uh, my own commitments to the Lord. It's made me think about how I've spent uh, my 2018, uh, what I've spent my money on, uh, how I've spent my time, uh, where I've gone on holidays, how much I've drunk, how much time I've gone to church. You get the idea. I've, I've, I've had to ask myself these questions. 
And so my challenge to you is to do the same this morning. Uh, come, come at Christmas with an open mind. Um, you've got to hear the awesome Christmas message, but I also want to challenge you uh, to, to do something with, with that message. So why don't you join me as, as we read. I've got it up on the screen if you don't have your Bibles in Luke 1, uh, verse 26. Luke 1, verse 26. Here we go. Nice. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary said, asked the angel, since I am a virgin? The angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. That's John. And she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. Join me in prayer. Heavenly Father, we, th- we thank you for, for Christmas. We, we thank you that you are a God who loves his children, who is committed to his children. And you demonstrated that this day, 2,000 years ago, you sent your son Jesus because you love us. And, and we want to celebrate that this morning. We want to respond to that this morning. And we pray as we open up your word, you would do something special this morning you would encourage us, you would inspire us, and we would leave with a smile on our faces, but we would leave also um, motivated to, to extend your kingdom, to do your work. We thank you so much for this privilege. Help us to be attentive to your spirit this morning, and we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So this, this Christmas, God wants you to know that he is totally committed to you. He, he has a plan for you. He loves you. He's with you. He wants the best for you. And this commitment is a commitment that God has made, not just through the person of Jesus, but from the beginning of time. And so it's my prayer this morning, church, that each of you personally, meaningfully receive this message that that God is committed to you. And and the way we're going to do that, we're going to explore three things. Um, We're going to work through the story of Luke I really only have one point today, but, you know, I just had to have three sort of things to keep my my brain structured. Um, We're going to first look at how God's commitment has unfolded over history to the world and to Israel. Secondly, we're going to look at what that means for you and me. And thirdly, we're going to look at how we should respond. So firstly, 
God's commitment to the world. God's commitment to you and me actually predates Jesus. In other words, Jesus isn't some random child that came out of nowhere, but he's the fulfillment of a commitment made to you and me many years prior. And the way we're going to demonstrate this is we're going to look at Jesus' family tree. And we see in verses 27 and 32 that the author Luke is, is very intentional in, in drawing out the fact that Jesus is a descendant of David. And so we're going to briefly now look at Jesus' family tree all the way from the beginning of Israel to King David to Jesus. And all I want to demonstrate to you is that God has been committed to you, not just from Jesus' time, but from the beginning of history. And that is something to celebrate and be inspired about. We're going to start in Genesis 12. Um, I've got it up on the screen. This is probably one of my favorite passages in the Bible. It's in the Old Testament, um, pre-Jesus. And it's a commitment that the Lord makes to Abram, who, who becomes Abraham. And, l- and let me just read it, and then we'll, and we'll unpack it together. The Lord had said to Abram, Go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So this is a commitment, a word that God drops on Abram. Abram's in his 70s. He has no kids. His wife's struggling to bear children. And God commits to make a great nation out of him. And importantly, verse 3, this isn't a nation that's going to be on its own plateau, on its own island, um, in its own sanctuary. It's going to influence other countries. It's going to be a blessing to other countries. And just keep that in mind as we reflect this morning on, on what God's commitment's like. It's not, it's not made just for people to keep to themselves. And it's a commitment to you and me. It, it's important to note that this commitment is made in the context of a very dark and evil time uh, in the history of mankind. And now you're thinking, wow, this is, it's Christmas and we're about to talk about evil. But uh, as I was preparing the message, I wanted to avoid this subject, but I couldn't because this is what God's Word says. And it's the only way we can understand how meaningful Jesus' um, Jesus's sending to us is, is to understand the context in which these promises are made. So in the lead up to this story, uh, mankind is, uh, how do I say, fallen off, fallen off the ledge. They've been pretty sinful. They've, they've been pretty immoral and evil. So in Genesis 3, a couple of chapters before this, we read of Adam and Eve, first human beings on the earth. They had one job, one job. Don't eat from, from that tree over there. Uh, and lo and behold, long story short, both of them do it. Then they try and hide from God. Then they blame each other. Um, they disobey God. And then you, you, you see it escalate in, in Genesis. Shortly after that, the children of Cain and Abel taken after their parents. Um, now they're in a, a system where they need to sacrifice to God because of their sinful behavior. And, and one guy rocks up with, with his second offerings, his, a couple of fruit and salad from the, from the farm. He doesn't give his best. The other guy, Abel, brings his meat, brings the best that he can bring. 
Kane gets jealous. Kane kills Abel. Cain disappears again. He um, hides from God. And we see it escalate. Genesis 6, 5, a couple of chapters later, it says this. The Lord saw how great the wickedness of the human race had become and every inclination of the thoughts of the human heart was only evil all the time. Genesis 6, 5. It's a pretty damning summary of the state of, of, of mankind. Why, why am I talking about this? I, again, we, we can't truly appreciate God's commitment to you and me when we don't understand the, the context in which he's, he's made that commitment, right? And, and in that time, mankind had, had done all sorts of immoral, sinful things. And so that's why this promise, shortly after uh, the flood of, of the entire human race, shortly after... Um, the Tower of Babel, etc. You can read it for yourself. God makes this this promise. All right. So this is our God. He's a, he's a God who makes these commitments. He makes these promises to sinners like Israel and sinners like you and me. I've just come back from from a wedding, so I need to use a wedding example. Um, but it, it, as I was sitting in the ceremony, looking around, thinking about God's commitment, and not really focusing on. On the, on the marriage and thinking about my sermon, um, I, I thought about, oh, what are some awesome like metaphors I can come up with? And I was looking around, actually, and uh, a wedding is quite an um, inspiring place to be because you see just generations of family and friends, young and old, kids, grandparents, all there to celebrate uh, a commitment that two people are making to each other, um, God willing, for the rest of their lives. And, and it just made me think, well, what if what if both parties weren't so into it? What if what if the groom, for example, for whatever reason, had been unfaithful to his wife or had done zero wedding planning or who just didn't prioritize his wife or his wife to be. Yet the wife still comes to the altar and, and says you know what, even, even in spite of that, um, I will commit to, to loving you. I'll commit to being in marriage with you. And so what that, what, what that hypothetical would show me is that it's got nothing to do with the groom and how good he is. It's got everything to do with this bride, her love, her compassion, her patience. Um, and I think in many ways, we're like the groom when it, when it comes to God, he, he commits to us, he loves us, we, we commit to other things, we turn away from him, yet he is always there loving us faithfully, no matter how far we've walked from him. We're still on point one here, but let's move on to um, the second passage in the Old Testament that I'd like to look at, which is in 2 Samuel 7. We'll get back to the Christmas narrative shortly. Again, we're looking at how, how has God demonstrated his commitment to us over history. And we're now skipping ahead a couple of hundred years to a partial fulfillment of that commitment that God has made. He's actually now generated a nation. There are many descendants. Um, Abraham and his wife have struck it lucky. They've had a few kids. Uh, and now there's um, many little Israelites going around. <laughs> um, 
and and we're here now, sort of as as the kingdom of Israel is um, escalating in its power and influence, and and the Lord is making a promise to to David. And remember David, because we were referenced in in Luke. <coughs> 2 Samuel seven eleven b The Lord declares to you that the Lord himself will establish a house for you. When your days are over and you rest with your ancestors, I will raise up your offspring to succeed you, your own flesh and blood, and I will establish his kingdom. He is the one who will build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I will be his father, and he will be my son. When he does wrong, I will punish him with a rod watered by men, with floggings inflicted by human hands. But my love will never be taken away from him as it took away as I took away from Saul, whom I removed from before you. Your house and your kingdom will endure forever before me, your throne will be established forever. Take note of, of some of the astounding promises that God is making here that he will establish his kingdom. Um, he will build his house. This kingdom will endure forever. And it, it's a natural sort of pivot from the first promise he made, which is he'll, he'll make a nation that will bless all other nations. Now he's just upping the ante. He's escalating. He's saying, and, and by the way, it, it's going to be a kingdom. And by the way, that kingdom is going to last forever. So these are two moments in, in the history of Israel that are, are, are pretty critical as we think about who Jesus is. And, and, and let's do that now. We're back in Luke. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendant. And Jacob was... Uh, descendant of Abraham, by the way, his kingdom will never end. So Jesus, this this moment we are in, or this the moment two thousand years ago when Jesus came, it was not a random event. It it was the the fulfillment, the culmination of promises that were made for thousands of years. And and this this promise results in, as we can see here, a kingdom that will never end. And we'll unpack that a little more as we go this morning. But I think the best way to understand what it means for, for God's kingdom to come or God's kingdom to, to never end is that it means you and me going out into our workplaces, um, going into our families, going amongst our friends and spreading God's character, spreading God's values, influencing our communities with who God is. We'll unpack that a little more later, but I do want you to think again this morning, how, how are you doing that in your life? How are you being a part of extending God's kingdom to others? So we've looked at God's commitment to, to Israel and to the world but I'd like to make it a bit more personal now. And we're going to look at what this means for us, for, for you and me. Because we have a God who, who loves nations, but we have a God who loves individuals. And he, he, he loves individuals passionately and int- intimately. So let's turn back to, to Luke 
And, and, and in Luke, in verse 28, I, I love the, the interplay between Mary and, and the angel. A few, few gems in there. Verse 28, the angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored, the Lord is with you. And shortly after, the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, you have found favor with God. So we, don't, we actually don't know enough or much about Mary up until this point in, in the story. Uh, the author, Luke, doesn't choose to draw out Mary's um, many of Mary's characteristics or gifts or talents. We actually don't really know at this point in the story whether she is a super talented person. And I think that's significant because what it shows is that, that God's love and God's choosing of, of Mary doesn't discriminate between individuals and his favor to to you and me is the same it doesn't matter what we've done doesn't matter how far we've fallen doesn't matter how good or bad we are we can put ourselves in the shoes of mary and and say to ourselves you know we are highly favored we have found favor with god i want to illustrate this with another story from, from luke it's in luke 15 we're not going to turn to it. We're going to try and freestyle it a little. <laughs> um, it's Luke 15. You should be familiar with it. It's a story of, of the prodigal son. Right? Same, same book of the Bible. Uh, it's a story of, of, a, of a man. He has two sons. And we don't, we don't receive much context. But all of a sudden, one of the sons goes, You know what, Dad? I'm moving out. And... And I want my inheritance. <laughs> and, and, and back in those days, saying that to your, your dad, and probably saying that today, is as good as saying to your parents, you're dead to me. I, I, I want to go and, li- and live my own way. Uh, the, the dad, he's, he's a compassionate guy. <laughs> Pretty patient, apparently. He lets him go. And, and the son then goes, in a, in a pretty sudden tumultuous turn of events. He squanders all his wealth. He goes out drinking and partying. Um, his life spirals out of control. And um, he, he reaches a point where he, he's sitting at the farm and he's looking at the pigs feeding on food. And he's like, well, I don't even have food to eat. Come on, I, what's going on? I, I've fallen. So the, how, how the mighty have fallen. Um, I think it's probably time for me to go back to my dad. And and he starts rehearsing this speech. He's like, all right, what am I going to say? What am I going to say to my dad? Right. And he comes up with these three things that he's going to say. He says, I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. That's number one. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Probably right. Two. And number three, make me like one of your hired servants. So he starts to make his way home. And practicing his speech, like, okay, I'm going to say these three things. I've sinned against you, heaven, no, not worthy to be called your son, but be a hired servant. And he makes his way home. And as he's running into the field, his father runs out to him. And he's so, his father has been praying every day for his son to come back. <laughs> and he wraps his round arms around him. And, and the son's like, dude, I need to do my speech, man. I need to do my, do my speech. So he, so he starts to do his speech. Verse 21. Like this father's like, 
hugging him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you, number one. I am no longer worthy to be called your son, number two. He doesn't get, he doesn't get to part three of his speech. And the father is like, dude, stop it. <laughs> the father says to his son, quick, bring out the best robes, put a ring on his finger and, and sandals on his feet, go get the best food. You're back home. And the first time I realized this in his story, I, I just almost cried. But what, what an image of how God accepts us, not because we earn our salvation. He doesn't force us to, to work. He doesn't, he doesn't force his son to go back to the farm. Okay, oh, son, you've been, you've been a bad boy. You need to earn back the you know, 100K that I, I dished out to you. And you're going to do that for three years and then you're good. No, it's... He, he admits he's unworthy, and God, in his, well, the father in his story, in his grace, says, son, come home. Put, put, put the best robe on. Go get, go get that fat pig out there. Let's cook it up. Um, what a, a, a beautiful image of God's favor, right? And this is the favor that, that God says to, that gives to Mary, and this is the favor that, that through Jesus, through this event of Christmas, you and I partake in. Um, how good is that? Church, I want you to, to like bask in that truth this morning. We need to, we need to constantly rehearse that. And I, I've shared this when I've MC'd before, but we need to rehearse the fact that we don't need to, to, to earn God's love. Yes, we need to come to Him in repentance. Yes, we need to come to Him and say, yes, we're, we, we know we're not worthy. But then it's about receiving His, his love, taking that what He has given us, and then going out and serving Him and, and, and changing the world for him. But never is there a world where we need to reach the third part of that speech. There's another promise in this passage. We're back to Luke twenty one twenty eight. So the Lord, is, the Lord favors us, you and me. The Lord is also, also with us. And again, the Lord is with her not because of anything she's done. But because that's that's our God, that's our God. We we have a God who who doesn't abandon us, doesn't leave us alone. But He's He's with us. So I I felt like the Lord wanted me to encourage certain groups of people this morning in in this particular truth. Um, for for those who are feeling alone, uh, God wants you to know He He is in your company. He He is in your fellowship. When when you're struggling. God, God picks you up and he, he helps you through. When you feel unworthy, um, there he is with you, calling you worthy. When you're struggling to, to raise a young family, the Lord, the Lord is with you. He's encouraging you. He's giving you that excess patience you need. When, when you're alone with, with relationships, um, he's there to, to comfort you. When you're stuck in sin, when you, you go back to that habit you've been trying to kick away for, for months or years, um, he, he's not going to withdraw his presence from you. He, he is with you. He favors you. He's got your back. When you're sick, there he is, nursing you back to full strength or perhaps even bringing you miraculous healing. When you're in pain, when you're in sadness, we have a God who brings us peace and joy that surpasses 
understanding. So church, we, we've been drawn into the family of Israel, the family of that started with, with Father Abraham, that progressed to, to King David, and then, and then climaxes in, in, in Jesus around Christmas 2,000 years ago. You're favored, church, and, and God, is, God is with you. Um, and he wants to do something this morning through you. So we're going to look at now, church, how, how, we, how we should respond. You know, thinking about that little marriage metaphor earlier, like it just doesn't doesn't really compute, does it? If 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 one, if one party is very committed and the, and and the other party is, as we would say, flaky, <laughs> or or not not equally as committed, um, or not even considering the 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 commitment that the the other party has shown to them. So, church, I I I, I do want us to think about how we how we will respond. Mary gives us some tips. She's troubled. In verse 29, Mary was greatly troubled at his words. Wonder what kind of greeting this might be. This is funny because she's actually troubled before Jesus even says, oh, by the way, you, oh, sorry, the, the angel says, by the way, you're giving birth to, <laughs> to the Son of God. This is before that. This is, this is much like when you're at work and, and that boss or that manager who never speaks to you goes, oh, hey, Andrew, how you going? Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I'm well. What do you want? And then, oh, by the way, there's a, there's a deadline at 5 p.m. We need you to do this. And <laughs> I, I think Mary feels the same way here. Like, uh, I'm, I'm highly favored. Got you with me? She, she seems to prejudge um, this statement that, that, that the angel has made. She assumes that she's about to receive some, some negative news. She, oh man, what, what, what have I done wrong? What am I going to be called to do? There's something I must have to do right now. So when, when we receive God's message, as you receive the message, I'm sharing with you today that, that God is committed to the nations and he is committed to you and me. You need not be, be troubled by, by this news. Take, take it at face value that um, God does love you and there's nothing to be anxious about. We don't need to think, to, I think we're probably in a society today where y- you don't really expect to receive free things. Like if you receive something, you kind of think you have to give something back. That it's not too good to be true. God highly favors us and he's with us. On the same vein, Mary continues, verse 34, how will this be? This is after now she's been told that she's going to give birth to Jesus. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? So, so she's troubled and, and, and she's also skeptical. Right? She, she's like, this is, <laughs> this is crazy. Uh, I'm not even married yet. Um, wh- how, how is this going to be? And she sees, she sees the limitations of, of human science, if you will, um, or the laws as, 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 a, as a barrier to this miracle that God is speaking to, to his people. And as I thought about this, it, 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 it's clear that 
we all know that Jesus is, Jesus comes because he he comes to to solve this problem of of sin that we couldn't solve ourselves. And so there needed to be a supernatural solution to a problem we couldn't solve you know, on our own, on our own human strength. This is how God chose to do it, through the Virgin Mary. And so I think if we don't feel troubled about hearing the message, we certainly feel skeptical. Uh, even, in, even, in, even in this room, even as Christians, when we hear the message, when we hear certain bold truths, I think we, we can fall into skepticism. Because we're in a world now where things are so under our control. Like everything's literally in the finger of like the palm of our hands that we can, um, you know, with, with with our smartphones, with with technology developing, we can be very prone to to discarding miracles that we hear in the Bible. It's it's understandable, perfectly understandable, but it's not the truth. And and we know from from what the word tells us, and even the fact that we're celebrating Christmas today, and I can turn on Channel Nine last night, and they're singing like "Joy to the World," like, and and, and people are still singing about the birth of Jesus, two thousand years on, and we can see that God was working thousands of years before that. Of course, it's supernatural, and we don't need to be we don't need to be skeptical. And, and we'll soon see that Mary, she comes around. She comes around because she trusts. She trusts in God. She will do that now. Bit more, bit more banter between the two. <laughs> and, and we get to verse 38. I, I, I love this. Um, because she, she, she receives these truths. She, she wrestles with them. She's troubled, she's skeptical, but in the end she says, I am the Lord's servant, and, and may your word be fulfilled. Even, the, even though it probably didn't make sense to her, even though she probably saw the limitations of it, um, she understood that God could, could make a way. And so what's stopping you this morning, church, from, from making this commitment, this reciprocal commitment to the Lord? What's stopping you from, from making a declaration, much like Mary did? When, when she heard the Christmas news, she, she wrestled with it, and I encourage you to do that. She was skeptical. Do that for a little. She, she was troubled. Yes, that's fine. Verse 38, I am the Lord's servant. And so don't leave here today, church, without taking an opportunity to consider your commitments to the Lord and, and how, um, how you might better reflect what He has done for you for the rest of the year, for the rest of today, and, and, and going into 2019. Um, I'd like to end today with a story. It's a, no, it's a story I know well. Um, it's how I became a Christian, <laughs> um, and uh, I, I thought I'd share it because I think it it, it illustrates what what a commitment to the Lord looks like. 
Uh, now, not claiming to have been perfectly committed to the Lord since I became a Christian, but just to give you a bit of a flavor and, and encourage you. So, 13 years ago, 2005, it's uh, around Christmas time, and how old am I? I'm 15 at the time. And by this time, actually, uh, so my whole family is Buddhist, um, or was Buddhist. I've got two older brothers, one sitting here today, the other one's uh, over in Singapore at the moment. And I think Nikki became a Christian maybe two years before that, roughly. And at, at this point, like, Nick hadn't made many efforts to invite me to church. He'd been praying about it, I'm sure. <laughs> um, I did hear him blasting Hillsong United with his subwoofer out of his room. Tell the world that Jesus lives. Very good, Nick. <laughs> it's like, I believe. Um, I, I just finished year nine at high school, like, enjoying my summer holidays. Um, pretty straightforward life, really. Um, I, I love playing video games probably too much. Played a lot of sport. I worked hard in high school because that's what that's what I had to do. Uh, but I did have the question of like, why why do I need to study hard? Like, why? What's the point? Um, I'll do that. I'll buy a house. I'll raise a family and then repeat cycle. I just didn't. Re- I couldn't reconcile the the path that was set before me. And and the time of Christmas was was particularly puzzling. Uh, we seem to sporadically have Christmas trees one year and, and not the other um, because my dad decided never to buy a plastic tree. He, he went with the, uh, the old uh, actual tree, which obviously only lasts one year. Um, I didn't really understand Christmas. Uh, I had very little exposure to what Christmas meant. Um, at my school, I kind of went to a few scripture classes here and there. Uh, I... I sort of knew about Ned Flanders on, on The Simpsons. Like that, that was like literally the extent of my understanding uh, of, of Jesus and, and God's yeah, love. So, so what, what, did, what happened in the summer of 2015 that, that God, what, what did he use to, to draw me to himself? Um, well, it was free food, actually. It, it, um, it was free food. Nick approaches me uh, in the lead up to Christmas, says, Andrew, uh, youth event coming up gonna be free food okay bye <laughs> and he actually asked me and my brother and uh we, we both went along and i remember joking to my brother at the time like oh man we're like in the car park at the old west Pennant hills i said to my brother other brother oh i hope this isn't like religious or anything just just here for the food uh enjoy a bit of fun meet some people and then like i'm out of here um but i remember that day there was something like really different about that community, uh, many of which are still here today, and, and, and that's something about the joy, the smiles on people's faces, yet, like, they were pretty normal as well, they, w- they weren't all like Ned Flanders, um, like, whoa, um, something something drew me to, to the community, so uh, I think it's probably like a week before Christmas, and then, well, like, 23rd, 24th of December, Nick's praying, I'm sure, about it again, and he goes, Andrew. What are, you, what, what are you doing on Christmas Day? Um, I think my parents were away at the time. What are you doing on Christmas Day? I'm like, I don't know. Playing, playing video games, I suppose. Free food at church. Free food at church for Christmas Day. Potluck. At the time, we had a massive kitchen at church. Um, not, not, nothing wrong with this, this building here. Love it. Great building. 
You can't have it all. It was a it was like a factory sized kitchen at the old um, community hall. So um, potluck was money. Um, and and I came along to this event, and again I didn't receive the message at the time, but I think gradually I was making small commitments to the Lord. Um, one of those commitments was to start playing video games with Ben Neo, the front here. Put your hand up, Ben. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> very right. That was one of the commitments I made because I was still playing video games at the time, and um, Ben kindly, I can't remember how he reached out to me, but um, maybe MSN at the time, and 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 added me on on um, Steam, and and we were playing Counter Strike together, and um, it was really cool. It was really cool um, to have. You know, just uh, some new friends. Shortly after, I committed, or was committed to, attend youth camp in 2006. Pretty heavy-handed um, marketing strategy from some of the youth leaders at the time. Uh, Nick paid for me, kindly. I still haven't paid him back for that. Um, but there were many people at the time praying, I think, in... And, and just doing little things, like Ben and a, a couple others, Alan Tan and Brendan at the time, they took me out for, for lunch and just got to know me better. Um, Joe, my now sister-in-law, uh, she actually was encouraging me uh, to read scripture um, on, on Skype. And uh, I was, <laughs> for whatever reason, I was reading like Exodus or Leviticus. <laughs> and because I'd gone through John, because that was the other piece of advice Nick gave me. He's like, read John. Okay, bye. Um, okay, well, that's pretty cool. Uh, but Nick was, uh, Joe was saying, Andrew, I, look, it's okay if you get bored. Right? It's it's okay if it, you know it's not all making makes sense. I'm still not sure if that was heresy, but um, that was great. Pam, Pam, who's here as well, at the time, uh, we had a, a new believers um, group, Bible study group, and I committed to go to that every Friday with with great objection from my parents at the time. Actually, it was it was pretty heated. At home, but that's uh, probably a story for the, for another day. Um, so she she was very committed to to that, and I think many of those people in that uh, group are still Christians today. So p- praise God for that. Um, and so at the time, I had issues actually, um, identity issues. Didn't really know where I fit in at school. Uh, I had friends doing drugs and and drinking and and actually even stealing from from shops, and I, I struggled uh, with with that because uh, my parents did raise me very like with a very good moral compass. Um, but I didn't really know what the f- basis of that was. And it was in th- in that midst that God met, wi- met with me. He used free food. <laughs> um, and But like, he opened my eyes and um, I made small commitments. And like kind of reflecting back on them, they don't seem massive. Like I came to church once, went to a youth camp, I started reading the Bible, um, played Counter-Strike with Ben, Started going to a Bible class, like just little steps in the right direction. And so that would be my encouragement to you is if you're thinking about God's commitment to you, and you might have known Christ for, for many years, you might have heard about him for the first time today. Uh, if, if, if something has struck with you, take those little steps. Because it, it, it happens overnight, but it doesn't. Um, you, you wake up tomorrow and you, c- you can start making those, those changes in, in your life. By the power of the Holy Spirit, um, you'll come to a really fruitful and awesome relationship with him so church that, that that's that's the message that's the message today that that god is 
who's committed to you, that when, when, when we celebrate Christmas and we think about Jesus, his birth, his, his magnificent life, his death, his resurrection, his reigning on high right now, that, that's awesome in itself, but that came after thousands of years of, of God pursuing his, his children, of God putting up with his children, to be frank, God promising to his children to, to use them as a blessing to establish his kingdom forever. It, it, it didn't come out of nowhere. And I, I'd like you to reflect on that and, and, and know that this is the God that we now get to worship and sing carols to and, um, and, and, and live for. So with that, I'll ask the worship team to, to come up. Um, spend some time praying. Why don't you uh, join me in, in prayer right now? Um, Heavenly, Heavenly Father, we, we thank you for that conversation you had through your angel Gabriel to, to Mary because you set off um, a, a change in the course of history and, and you demonstrated to us, Lord, that, that you, you are committed to us, that you do what you say you're going to do, that you fulfill your promises, that you are faithful, God, and we want to bask in that truth this morning, this day, because it's Christmas, Lord, and we want to praise you and celebrate the fact that you sent Jesus for us. You sent Jesus because you love us. You sent Jesus because you're committed to being in relationship with us and establishing your kingdom here on earth. And Lord, we, we want to receive that message this morning. We want to come to you as, as the prodigal son came to you saying we are not worthy we have sinned against you, but you wrap your arms around us and say you love us. We are favored and you're with us no matter where we go. No matter how far we walk from you, Lord, you are with us. And we want to praise you for that. We ask you, Lord, to, to do something this morning in, in, in our hearts uh, for those who have been far from you, Lord, to, um, to draw them back to yourself. Lord, help us to, to commit not only the rest of today, not only the rest of the year, but the 2019 ahead and, 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 and our days to come. Help us to make commitments to the God who, who is so committed to us. Lord, we pray that this church is committed to you, that this church breaks through a barrier of, of maybe our own skepticism, our own troubles. Lord, we, we ask that you do something in this church to soften our hearts, Lord. And so we pray as, as we reflect on the Christmas message that you would um, begin to transform people in this room, Lord, with your Holy Spirit. And we, we ask that no matter how far we've fallen from you, no matter how lazy or complacent we've gotten, Lord, we, we this morning are moved to commit to you, Lord Jesus, because that's the only response. Lord, we are your servants. We have our issues. We have our struggles, but you accept us all the same. So, Lord, as we now sing to you, Lord. We, we pray for just an eruption of joy and, and celebration um, for, for you are good and you're worthy and mighty. And we pray you would look over and, and, and bless the rest of this day. Help us to 
have massive stomachs to eat a lot, and um, we just pray that uh, yeah, you would you would have your hand over today. We we commit this in, in your hands, in Jesus' name, Amen.